0: I think that coding and math, I mean, the entire machine learning models, they are really complex. So pick something to have fun with. (laughs) You don't want to be stuck with coding and after that working on something that you don't like. So you need to pick a project that will have fun with you just enjoy. And the second thing is don't be scared of the challenge.
1: What's up everybody? Welcome to the Artists of Data Science podcast, the only self-development podcast for data scientists. You're going to learn from and be inspired by the people, ideas, and conversations that'll encourage creativity and innovation in yourself so that you can do the same for others. I also host open office hours. You can register to attend by going to bit.ly.com forward slash A-D-S-O-H. I look forward to seeing you all there. Let's ride this beat out into another awesome episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review. Our guest today is a data scientist and machine learning engineer who was born and raised in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. He's earned a bachelor's degree in quantitative economics and statistics and has over eight years of experience in the telecommunications industry. He's also studied law for four years. His hunger for knowledge and determination to turn data into insights has contributed to his most recent successes at Digicel PNG Limited. The Biggest telecommunication company in Papua, New Guinea. He emigrated to New York in late 2019 and has since been focusing on his data science career, where he's part of the business intelligence team at Way Better, a goal-sharing network whose approach combines games, social reinforcement, and financial incentives to motivate people to get better at everything. So please help me welcoming our guest today, Fabrice Messador. Fabrice, man, how's it going?
0: everything's good everything's good hey, thanks again for inviting me i'm so excited
1: man, really. I, i'm super pumped to have you on man I, I stumbled across your work where i was just you know like I, I peruse articles on medium and things like that you had this project that really caught my eye that was like data science and hip-hop music and i was like man this is this is phenomenal uh, i want to talk to talk to this guy he looks like he has some interesting ideas but yeah we're going to get into all of that in a little bit but first let's get to know you a little bit better so Talk to us about where you grew up and what it was like there.
0: So I came from the Caribbean. So you just mentioned that I was born and raised in Porto Plata. So it's a really nice country with uh, tropical weather. So now I'm in New York. <laughs> I'm not finding that thing. it's really different now. So basically, we have like those beautiful beaches. So it's really warm country, and growing there. So it was always about education. So my parents always push us. To go to school, it was like so. You have to go to school first, and probably in the weekend you can meet some friends and we'll practice some sports. And one of the things that really is it do me the way that I'm now, I think that is really the discipline that I get. So, any if, if people from the Caribbean they know that those parents they are really strict. <laughs> so you have to do this. So if you don't study, so you don't get any reward. so I think that that's really helped me in life now. And one of the huge challenge that we had growing in Haiti was mainly because of the political trouble that we used to have, and there was a lot of natural disaster as well. So if you go to the news, you might hear that we used to have a lot of storms, So we have a big earthquake in twenty nineteen. So there was, so my childhood in Haiti was like a mix of fun and as well a lot of political trouble or natural disaster, but it was really nice going there so i really like the caribbean i've been to other countries in the caribbean i really love the weather and i mean just the entire culture as well
1: yeah man caribbean sounds like so for the record right now we're recording this in february it's like the middle of winter i'm pretty sure it's cold in new york it's freezing right right now right now here in winnipeg it is negative 26 degrees celsius with 10 mile per hour winds so i wish i was in the caribbean right now man
0: (laughs) yeah it's, it's freezing it's like it is then snowing probably twice in the week yeah it's really different yeah.
1: so so I me mean, talk to us i guess like walk us through how you you went from from haiti to new york right so haiti you grew up so in in high school when when you're a high school age student what did you think your future would look like Did you think you'd end up in the middle of winter in in new york <laughs>
0: Well, probably no, but I'm pretty sure that it will be related with data. So let me just tell you, this. when I started high school, so during my first year, and I went to high school because I wanted to learn economic science. So that's something that I love and anything about the economic behavior. So that's what I wanted to do. But the school that I went to, so we had statistics as well, and we have economics and planning. But at the end of my first year, I was like, I think that statistic is more for me. But at the same time, is that I wanted to use economic policy to change the entire landscape in Haiti to, to, um, to be part of the development. But one of the things that I realized, it was like there was a lack of data because if you want to make decisions, so you need data. You cannot just be as a, as an economist, you cannot just go say that, okay, that's uh, what I want without any data so you need some data and there was a lot of data and I was like, probably this is where i really want to to do my job and i think that at this time i was like, you know what i'm going statistic forget about economy <laughs> I was like, okay i want to be statistician and i really enjoy doing survey and when i start doing econometric model it was like oh wow that's so much that i can do and i think that when i was in high school i was like okay I Whatever it is related to data, I want to be part of it. I didn't know if I would be in New York, but I think that I already have a clear idea that I wanted to do a statistic and managing data, playing with numbers in something that I really like to say, make the numbers tough.
1: Yeah, we got a very similar background in terms of the education because like, I studied economics and like statistics during undergrad years as well. So, what do you think? Do you, like, econometrics was like my favorite, part of economics. Like, I just absolutely love that stuff. So, what do you think? Like, do you like microeconomics or macroeconomics better? Which one do you do you prefer?
0: I think that I prefer microeconomics, and one of the things that I really enjoyed was like game theory because you really see other agents they think so in terms of utilities so i think that i really i know I one of the things that i always say is just like if you can impact an agent so and that agent can impact to order and those, you can change the entire macroeconomic mm-hmm. landscape so i think that whatever you have to do you have to start with the way that the agent is thinking because you know that the agent is rational so the way that they impact impacting the market so i think that is where you have to start and I really enjoyed those classes because it was like, you know what, yeah, I want to focus on one agent. And after that, I can see the entire economic landscape.
1: Yeah, man, microeconom- microeconomics was my favorite as well. I actually uh, picked up a couple of books recently, like all of my, my econ textbooks, like I still have them all, but they're all sitting at my parents' home in California. But I, I bought a couple of them and just have them sitting there <laughs> looking forward to digging through them. One of them is uh, microeconomics for dummies because I haven't looked at economics type of stuff in a very long time. So I figured that'd be a good place to start. And then another one I got was it's called The Economics Book. I'm looking at it right there. And this one is it's really cool. It makes it really uh, interesting. It's got a lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of pictures and stuff. So. No, I
0: still
1: got that it. <laughs> <laughs> kidding me. So, all right, so you, you grew up in Haiti studied and then papua new guinea how did you end up in papua new guinea and just you know for the people like me who are not as good at geography where is papua new guinea i, I imagine that somewhere near australia but i don't know if that's Correct. True, is it? Yeah.
0: so there's like uh, north of australia so it, we used to i mean there was a three hours flight to brisbane and if you want to go to Sydney it's like four hours flight. yeah it's close to australia What did I end up there? That's a good question. (laughs) So just a bit, let me just start with when I was in Haiti. So after high school, I was working with UNICEF. So with the UN and I was working as a monitoring and evaluation assistant. So it was like following project. So we're doing survey to see if any project they have like the impact that we were expecting is what happened. So that was after the earthquake that happened in 18, 2010. So after that, I was like, okay, I just want to do something else. I was young, and you know, <laughs> you just want to do more. And I found that probably the, the private sector would be the place where I can really uh, put my knowledge and or whatever I get in school. So I was like, okay, that's where I really want to to work so I was like probably once i get the experience after that i can do something else so one of the things even though i left Haiti, so i think that my goal is still the same so the different paths that i went through they were like so it's just a way to reach that goal so going to papua New guinea that was like so okay that was another opportunity so when i started with the private sector so i went to the telecommunication company and i started with one company that big company called Digicel, they bought them and I work with Digicel. And working there, it was like, I wasn't afraid to take any responsibilities. So I was involved. And that's what opened for me that would to Southeast Asia, because there was one applied for a position there. And I wanted to take the challenge because I was like, okay, so in my country, so I know a data, I was a good data analyst. I was like, what can I do somewhere else? It was like a way to say that, okay, I'm going to test myself. So it was a challenge and I, I took it. So I moved to Papua New Guinea in 2015, spent uh, about four years there. And after that, I was like, okay, so that's probably the time to make a change. And this is when all the talk about data science, you know, I was like, okay, uh, as a data scientist, so as a data analyst, I was mostly using SQL and Excel. know, like, that man, there's so much out there that I can do. So, and I started reading about, deep learning about segment a clustering. I was like, oh, I do segmentation, just a basic filter. What if I have those tools? And at the same time, there was another personal decision also to move to New York. And I was like, you know what? That's what I needed. And so going into New York, it was like, you know what, the focus about data science. And here I am.
1: That's really cool. You have to work at. Like for, for UNICEF, the UN, that's that's awesome, man. It's like yeah. <laughs> making massive impact, massive change. So what was it like working in, in, in Papua New Guinea? Like, like first of all, I guess just from my own curiosity, like what's that country like? What's it like there?
0: So one of the things it was for me, it was that I didn't have anyone there. It's not like I have a, a friends and I went there because I wanted to live as a friend. So it was like a really new experience. So Let's for if, if so they are like 15 hours AM. So communicating to my family was really hard. Specifically <laughs> sometimes when I'm going to work, this is when they're going to sleep, <laughs> or when I'm going to sleep, they have this starting their day. So it was really hard. But in terms of the challenge, I think it was worth it because once you get there, because you are an expert, people will not be, tell you what to do. So you have to figure out what to do. Because you are a professional, so you know, you come with that expertise from another market. So you start working, so you have to show people, okay, this is my experience, and this is what I want things to do. So I felt that it was that you don't have any guidance, <laughs> you know, because as an expert, they just consider that you know stuff. And I think this is really what I needed. And after that, the country was fine, so security was an issue i thought, but once you started to get along you understand it's like any country in the world so there's places where you, you will not go you know even in new york there's places that i will not go so it was the same there and i was driving so accommodation was fine i feel as well good but for me it was mainly about what will i do with that experience and it was really that growing myself professionally and i think that i did and when I found out that, I like, you know what, at this stage, I cannot keep doing the same thing. I have to focus on myself, to focus on my future. And this is when I decided, okay, did I sign?
1: that's the path to go. And then moved into to New York, man. That's crazy. So twice you kind of uh, left, you know, left. That's huge changes. <laughs> Going from Haiti to Papua New Guinea to Papua New Guinea <laughs> to New York. That's, that's crazy, man. That's, uh, I mean, crazy in like the good, in the best way, because that's really really living outside your, your, your comfort zone. Yes. So while you were in Papua New Guinea, four years, did you get to travel anywhere? Did you bounce around between yes.
0: those countries? Yes, I did. I did. Uh, I went to Fiji a couple of times. I think I went to Fiji maybe three to four times. Australia, I went to Australia a lot of time because every time that I was coming to New York or go to Haiti, I will transit to Australia or spend a the night there. And sometime when we have a long weekend, I will go to Brisbane or Sydney. I spent some time in Singapore because we had an office in Singapore. So I worked from there probably two or three months or even in Fiji. So that's the thing that company, they have all the uh, offices in the South Pacific. So we have an office in Fiji, Vanuatu, uh, Samoa and Papua New Guinea. And we have another office in Singapore. So working there, the chance to basically visit office Asia. I think it is at that time I went to Thailand. I went to Philippines a couple of times, Malaysia. Yeah, that's another thing. So if I was in the Caribbean or in the US, those countries country, are really far. So you will never plan to go just for a weekend to go to Philippines. But living there was like, you know what? I can just take a direct flight to Philippines, and you spend one weekend in Manila, and after that, you get back to work on Monday or Tuesday. That's, really that's fun.
1: cool. Man. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, actually, my my mom's side of the family is from Fiji. Like my mom was born and raised really? in Fiji. Really? Yeah. Was that a yeah. uh, Suva. Suva, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Suva, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Indian people, a lot of uh, yes. Indian diaspora there in Fiji, and I'm pretty sure the Caribbeans too, right? Like, like Caribbeans have a lot of uh, Indian people there as well. And that's cool, man. Like I've always wanted to go Fiji. I've never, never oh, been it's there. So, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I love Suva. So the Suva and the Nanti as well. So went there. I have a couple of friends in Fiji as well. That's cool, and man. there's like a. Uh, could just pull out and in Australia as well, mainly yeah. Melbourne.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, man, thanks for uh, so much for telling us about a little bit about your uh, your background, your your life there. That's really interesting. And so, you you've got some really cool like writing, man. Like I love the pieces that you've done. You you know love to unpack some of the wisdom that you have got in those posts. And I think one that's really important uh, is just the the piece you wrote about tips for staying focused. So I think that's a big one for, I mean, anybody, really. But what, can you share some some of those tips with us?
0: Thanks. Thanks for liking my writing. So I'm still trying to improve. I've had that three tips that I can share. And I think that it's mainly between the COVID. So I was like, you know what? If everything's happening, you need something to start focusing. still focused. and That's why I really wanted to write about it. I think number one is to have a plan. So you need, when I say a plan, you just like think about it. You need to have a plan and you have to write it. So you need to know exactly what you want. So once you have a plan, you know, you have a goal, so you know what's the way to achieve it. So I'm pretty sure that that will keep you it keep you organized. So you can say that, okay, that's where I want to go. And that's the different way to achieve that. So that's the number one. The second one, you need to practice and you need to stay disciplined. So whatever you want to do, even if you say that, I want to be a good driver. Yes, you have the plan, but if you don't take a car and probably do a bit of driving every day, you'll never be good at driving. So you need to practice. And it's not like practice for 10 minutes, one day, a second day, five minutes. You need to be consistent with exactly. that. And the last one, what I can say, just like you have to act, you need to make real decisions, you, may, you need to take action on it. So you have the plan your practice. You want to get better at it, and after that, you cannot just say that. Oh, I know. You have to go out there and say that. Okay, now I'm taking real actions toward that goal, that objective that you have.
1: So, when you're, you know, making that transition, because you said previously your job was a lot of SQL, a lot of Excel, then breaking into data science, you had to really upskill and, like, I, I believe you use Python, if mm-hmm. I recall correctly. How did you apply those techniques to when you were? Uh, learning python
0: yeah i mean learning python so i have to go to uh, i went to the boot camp when i came to new york so i started myself but i was like because i had a full-time job it was like the best option for me and i was like even though if i go to new york, come to new york so i still have to adapt so i was like you know what i have to go to probably to school so i went to that boot camp it was like about five four to five months so, one of the things that I had in terms of the, so the plan was like I want to transition to data science. One of the action that I had was to go to the bootcamp and while in the bootcamp one of the things that I managed to do almost everything was to do a code a coding challenge. So there's those websites that if you coding because I didn't have a new SQL so but I didn't really have a coding background you know so practicing every day that's something that really has been proven in Python. So I'll go in the morning and go to one of those websites and whatever challenges is it, even though probably I spent 20 to 25 minutes in there most at the time, but that just kept me focused on what I wanted to achieve because that's really helped me to say, okay, if I want to be a good data scientist, so I have to be good, at least at Python, which is one of the programming language that most of the companies use now. Now that, you know what? I don't any, on that. I don't have any background. Background. I have to be good at it, and practicing. Uh, almost everything, everything, coding, coding, coding. Yeah,
1: that's good. bad repetition, driving it home, drilling it in. Uh, so you wrote another piece where you're talking about tips for for public speaking, and I think that's something very relevant to data scientists. I think a lot of us aren't really comfortable with public speaking and things like that. So can you share some tips for public speaking and, and giving talks about data science?
0: So I find that that one is, in school, I used to present a lot. So I find that I learned a lot of them. And studying law as well helped me in terms of public speaking. And after that, at some time, I used to also wait your show. <laughs> so one of the things that I always tell people, number one, is you need to prepare your speech. You probably know what you're going to say but you need to prepare. So that's the number one to be good. Because once you prepare, what happened, You are really confident. So once you are confident, so you will win the audience. So that's the number one. The second thing, you want people to really listen to you. So you want people to acknowledge what you're saying. So I think that you have to be as simple as possible. So we know as data scientists, we really want to talk like, or logistic regression, (laughs) we just want to use the fancy word. But I think that we always have to assume that in the audience, there's a lot of non-technical people. So we have to talk as simple as possible. So we need to probably explain what we want to, explain the technique that we are using. And even though the public is data scientist public, we still have to explain the method that we are using. And the last thing is that we just have always to focus on the insight and try to explain it so once you really know where you go in and you say that okay that's what i'm explaining i think that just improves your confidence and it just like make people people just want to listen what you're saying and i think that once you say that people want to listen what you're saying i think that you will be good at it it will just come because you'll be like oh wow i'm really interested in what i'm saying and people are really receptive to what i'm saying it will just go and based on my experience, I find that it always happens.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. So if you're going to present on a topic, you need to be excited about it. You need to love the topic your, yourself because when you're presenting, right, if you're up there presenting and you're not interested in it, then people aren't really going <laughs> to let you know, people fall asleep, right? I like that. Alex, that's key point, man. Very key point. I agree. Um, yeah. thanks, thanks for sharing that. So Ben, like I want to get into some of your projects because you've done some really cool ones that I've that I've seen uh, that I've seen write about as well, kind of out of the box thinking and creativity for your project. So there's one project I like where you took your econ background and your your level of economics and you you know did it in essentially like I believe you did it in in Python as well, but use Nash Equilibrium using data science and, and data science methodology. Talk to us about talk to us about that.
0: I knew that you would love that one. <laughs> I mean, with your economic background and everything. So I said that. So when one of the class that I really enjoyed was game theory. So you just mentioned it. So when you want to talk about something, you really have to be excited about it. And I think that game theory always keep me excited. So when people are talking about, it, I'm like, okay, I want to know more. And I just started with the bootcamp and I had to write that the article. Has a you know what, I want it to be something that I will really enjoy. I didn't even know if I would be able to link those two, but I started doing some research, and after I was like, hold on, what game, game theory is about mathematical model." And data science, that exactly the same. I was like, you know what, there's a way. And a good thing, I found that package. I think the name is a Nashby NASB, and I was like, okay, someone did the job for me. And even, you know, one of the good things with Python is the free. A programming language so there's a lot of library so sometimes you don't really have to start from scratch so the, someone did the job for you so i found that a package, and i was like i tried to understand it and so at the end of the day what i managed to find just like a right a program where you can just give a, the machine two different options so basically i mean i'm not going to the detail for the Nash equilibrium but Basically, for the prisoner dilemma, so I have prisoner A and B, so I just give the two choices and what, at the end of the day, I just get the optimal result. And I think that that one was really good. But the takeaway of of that article was, as a data scientist, the number one is the business understanding. It's not about Python or anything, just like you need to understand the the business and most of the time the way that the agents are interacting, you need game theory to do it. So I think that if you can really find a way to incorporate game theory to your data science study, so that will just give you a, 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 that just add value to your background or to your knowledge. So I think that once I did that, I was like, you know what, so whatever I'm doing, even in my day-to-day job, So sometimes I just use Game Theory to understand the way that people are interacting or the way that the customer are interacting to the business.
1: That's interesting. I would love to dig a little bit deeper on that. Actually, for a record, I I interviewed Dr. Kevin Zolman, who we, we did an entire episode on Game Theory. Yeah, that should be out at some point in the near future. So definitely check that out. But talk to us about how, okay, so I guess a brief overview of prisoner's dilemma just like get a brief overview of prisoner's dilemma and and like how have you seen the prisoner's dilemma work out like in, in the real world with with people you're working with if you have an example for that
0: i mean just uh so the prisoner dilemma is like so you have the prisoner so you want to so the police got them let they just make it from police got them and you don't get the, the police they don't know who comment the felony so the and this guy get this idea that okay we're gonna put two of them into separate rooms and that's what in kim he they call the when they call about information so they don't have any information and the idea is we're gonna propose them as well. if they don't say anything so basically two of them they are like innocent so they go so no so basically, if I, if I want to put into my number, so that would be zero year for prison. So they don't go to jail. The second one is that if the two of them talk, that means that prisoner A said that, oh, prisoner B did the thing, and prisoner B say that prisoner A did the thing. So the both of them will go, let's say, with four years of prison. And if one talk, the other one keeps quiet. So that will be the one who didn't say anything, will go with three years of prison. Which way a jail? Because the other one <laughs> says something about it. So, but what happened in to find the Nash equilibrium is just like each of them, because they don't have any information, they are not in contact. As well. it, they don't have any contact. The way that they will think is just like, oh, the other guy will say something about me. So I better talk so I can get out of the way. And at the end of the day, the two of them will just admit that the other one did it. And they will just go with four, probably four years of prison age. When, if the two of them didn't say anything, <laughs> they will be like, okay, you are free. And so when I did that Python script, I entered this number, zero, zero, I think let's say zero, three, four, four, and I get the four, four, like as a nice equilibrium. I find that in real world, I've, st- I probably don't see it more often. I find that my, I read that my probably environment is really friendly but I've seen it messy in politics though. <laughs> I've seen it a lot in politics. Like you expect a group to say something and you swear the other something, but overnight because they don't have any information and the next the next day you see news with some like crazy things like wow, what did they say? And when you think about it, it's just like because they didn't have any information. So they will just take the worst decision. When they think that probably is the best decision for them, but it's not the best decision for the group. So that's one of the things mean, in that equilibrium. It's just like the economic agent is making the best decision for them to have the best payoff, but it doesn't mean that it's the best payoff for the entire collective.
1: That's yeah, all about the incentives, I guess, huh? like <laughs> aligning incentives, all right? And, I mean, man, you got some really, really cool, projects that that you've done. You did this one where you used machine learning to analyze the Matrix movie. I thought that's cool. Like the Matrix is like one of my favorite favorite movies. So talk to us about this project. Like how did you get the idea for this project? And I guess what was what was your big takeaway from it?
0: Okay, that one is still ongoing. <laughs> it's still ongoing. But I love I love the Matrix. So that's probably my best. I don't know how many times I've seen them. And as we mentioned before I always like to do things that I like because it just keeps me motivated. And if I had to present it, I would be like, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it. So that project I'm probably almost done with the first stage. So I have this, all my data already. So which is like the script for the three movies. So I clean them and there's a basic ETA that I that I did just like found number of words per a different person yeah and I have some graph so but what I want to do there's two models that I'm going to use the first one I'm going to do the natural language processing is to do a bit of topic modeling so to see that what is really what they're talking about I just I know that everybody they have an idea about the metric. What I will is I'm telling myself that with machine learning, I can really find out what they're talking about. I think that at this stage I'm going to start. And the second one, I'm going to use graph theory to analyze the different relations in the matrix. So what I'm hoping is to find that NEO will be in the middle and everything is linked to Neo. That's because you know that NEO is like the one. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to see. So I just hoping when I'm do when I do that graph, and I see Neo in the middle, and all the edge, and all and like yeah, that's what I want. If I can see that, I'll be so happy.
1: <laughs> so how do you like? How you get the data for the movie scripts? Did you perhaps like how, yeah? How oh, did you do that?
0: Web web scraping. I web yeah. I use web scraping. So web scraping, I think is yeah, I can see it's just so it's another tools that we have as data science to gather data. So so I want to that website, and they have all the scripts, so I, I get them. The only real cleaning that I have to do after removing the stopword is just, you know, sometimes, so for a speech, you will have, like, let's say you have more furious and you have what they say, but sometimes they will have a line to explain that a car passes by, so you have to, anything we doesn't have, let's say, a name before so i probably have to take, take them out but at the same time i want I, I have to keep them because it's about the movie you know it just gives some context to the movie so in terms of topic modeling so i will need them just to for something i don't know or oh, i will use them now yet i mean i don't know i will use them now but i know that i have to keep them so basically one side i have like all the speeches and the other side i have the different actions that happen in the movie.
1: So that's that's how you got to do a project. You got to do it based on things that you find interesting, right? That really gets you excited because, mm-hmm. you know, that's how you get that intrinsic motivation to just continue working through with it. And another one of your really interesting projects I've, i really enjoyed digging through this one was applying machine learning to hip hop lyrics. So I thought that was really cool. So talk to us, like walk, walk us through how you came up with the idea for this project.
0: All right. So that is, this project was like my last project at, uh, at my bootcamp at Fatal School. So we had three weeks to do the project and I wanted mine to be mind blowing. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing any basic project. And as you just mentioned, so once you do a project about things that you like, it just keep you motivated because I know when you start doing a project, there's a lot of cleaning and it can be tiring. But if you are really interested about it, so you just keep going. And I'm a hip-hop fan.
1: <laughs> I
0: always agree now with friends like Eminem is better than this, J. Cole is better than this. So I think that most of the argument about analysis of kind of music, they are all subjective. And I wanted to say that what's the objective way to, to classify the music or what's the objective way to analyze the music? And it's a science. So basically, it was like a basic mix of something that I love and data science. And I wanted it to be like huge. And I think that's how it came up. But it's not that before I didn't. It's not that something that I always wanted to do. It's just like for that project, I have like, ah, two weeks for a project. You know what? I'm going with something big. And I think it was big.
1: <laughs> so what? what kind of like, I guess, what was the... What was the the problem statement? what methodology did you use like did you did you grab just like the the lyrics or did you grab like the audio or did you combine audio and lyrics like how, how did you how did you kind of piece that project together like what was the big question that you're trying to answer?
0: So the big question that I was trying to answer is to to move from a subjective aspect of music classification to a more objective and scientific one so basically I was like okay there's differences in hip-hop because okay for someone who is not like uh whatever song they say that yeah it's the same thing let's say i always say that for me my mother all hip-hop songs they are the same but i was like you know what that's probably the way that a lot of people think about it but what's an objective way to show them hold on it's not the same there's difference in hip-hop and i think that that's that was my main problem statement I said that I can show that there's a difference in hip-hop music. And the other thing I, w- I wanted to show that over the years, hip-hop songs are not the same. That's all probably my two hypotheses for this project. So all the st- in, in terms of data, it was like a hard one because the main question was, when is someone who is a hip-hop artist? So I found this website that have like more than 300 artists. So that would be anyone with at least a hip-hop song. So I started by getting all those names first. And after that, I moved to Genius. I do, I think, yeah, I did web scraping work scraping to get those lyrics. So basically I have artists and lyrics. And I do, do the lyrics for all the songs that they have. And after that, I went to Spotify and I do API call to get all the audio features. So I don't know if you work with any Spotify, if you if data yet, but basically they have all the information about the audio. So anything. So when I did that, I didn't want to keep some artists with like lyrics and the other one for audio. So I only keep any artists with audio and lyrics together. And something that was really unfortunate it was like I said for someone like jay-z at that time I didn't have any song on first 45 because he has his own platform. So as you know at Jay JC, it doesn't matter
1: yeah spotify's api they've got a lot of really 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 cool like Mm -hmm. data points about all the songs so yeah i was really uh excited when i saw that you did that because that's like a project i always tell students to do is go to spotify use their api and you know just get all this track information about songs and and just do something so did you have any type of criteria for which song to include and you know which song not to include
0: okay so one of the criteria that I have, it was that like the the song has to be in English. <laughs> I mean, because of the the package that I was going to use for natural languages, and it would be too much for me to have English and French to do So let's say someone like White Clipson, which is, he has some song in Creole, so I would just keep in English. And I found some of those weird artists as well, they have some Spanish, even if they some featuring. So that's fine. So I have to keep on the English, and after that, for my analysis, just to make it fair, I have to keep on the one with more than 25 songs, because I didn't want, I didn't have to to give some artists some advantage over other one, because someone has like 100 songs, let's say that his unique words will be less than the guy with only let's say 10 songs. So I have to have a benchmark. So I said, okay, you know what. I'll just keep anyone more than twenty songs. And even a, if a year I have a low number of songs, I'll just stick up those years as well. And of course Jay-Z, I mentioned, Jay-Z was probably my biggest, <laughs> the biggest missing in the project because I didn't have any songs for Jay-Z.
1: Yeah, so that's, that's you making some good like selection criteria for, for what you included or not included into in, your day sets. So that's that's uh, it sucks that we couldn't get Jay Z in there, man. I wonder if Tidal had everything he has is on yes. Tidal. So I wonder if I find
0: that they moved. I find that they moved yeah. now to a Oh, did they?
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I've checked that out. So, what was like the the surprising result? What was like the big big takeaway? Yeah, biggest takeaway
0: was so I have some mix. I, I was expecting it, but when I saw the number, it was the same. So the biggest one was like. They are using So it's like the ratio of unique words again against the total words that they are using. So basically, I found out that nearly six of the words used in rap only are unique. I was like, well, because I found out in our it was like 300 words per song, but it was like 50 unique. And I have to go, I mean, I mentioned about this understanding. So a bit of context was like, why is that? And after that, I found out that Of course, because, you know, to make the song catchy, so they have to repeat some some words. So some songs, there's a lot of words that they repeat just to make the song catchy. I mean, there's the essence of it. One thing that I found out about that one, I I was expecting it was there was a lot of curse (laughs) words. So that's why in my cleaning, so I have to, there's a lot of words like N-words, B-words, so I have to transform them because I will not present something and you have like N-word or P word. So I just give style title like B word. So and I think that in terms of the methodology, the cleaning was really tiring because I have to create entire a entire stop words for it. So basically some word like yeah yeah. And you know that a lot of friends, they didn't write them properly. So I have to correct them. Yeah, that was like, that took me a lot of time. And the other takeaway was like, over the year, the topics are evolving. Because I did the topic modeling. So I found out that over the year, the songs are not talking about the same thing. So, for example, we see that starting the late 20s. I mean, 2000, probably 2004, 2005, the songs were more about sex and drugs. And if you go in the 90s, it was more about street violence and beef, stuff like that. So that one was like, that gave me a real understanding of people. So that one, that one was like, people are the biggest.
1: It's so fascinating, dude. Like, like, I love these really interesting projects that you work mm-hmm. on. So... Like, can you share some tips for the audience here on how to come up with project ideas? And, you know, like, what, how do you come up with these ideas? Like, what can, what can the audience take, take away from, from, from this so they can go create some creative stuff for themselves?
0: I think that coding and math, I mean, the entire machine learning model, so they are really complex. So pick something to have fun with. <laughs> you don't want to be stuck with coding and after that working on something that you don't like. So you need to pick a project that will have fun with. you just enjoy. And the second thing is don't be scared of the challenge. And I think that there's enough tools and techniques in machine learning to address a lot of issues. So I don't think that anything is too too small or I cannot do that try it. Don't be scared of the challenge. You have whatever idea that you have, go with it. Worst case that can happen, you will need more data, so you just have to get more data. Or while you're doing the analysis, you'll find some issue. I mean, at least you know about it. So don't be scared of the challenge. Just go. So just, we have enough tools as data science to tackle a lot of problems. So go
1: for it. I love it, man. That's, that's the three right mentality. I think people just they, they're too afraid, too afraid to go pick up a, a project and just do it, right? You just have to, you're limited by your own creativity, I think, when it comes to to doing projects. Right. So, all right, so you've got definitely unique projects, but unique projects have a unique set of challenges, and that's all about collecting data, right? So, well, can you share some tips with the audience to help us make sure that, you know, we're, doing a good job collecting data? Do you have, like, some favorite places that, that you go, some websites or, or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I find that when, once you have a project and you know why you want to do it, so you have your hypothesis, I find that you need to identify your sources. You need to know, at least have a free idea where you're going to get your data. Don't even start with collecting data. So just identify your sources. Just just I'll give you an idea of what is available, so, you know what you can get because with web scraping or using Selenium or even API call. so there's that opportunity to get data. So, uh, is, again, just get back to the challenge. Don't be scared to take a challenge. Just go and say that, okay, there's a the different sources. I'm going to try them. And another thing is just like never assume that your data collection is final. <laughs> Sometimes you will call the project and you will be like, okay, I get my data, that's it. And you just want to start coding and do your machine learning model or anything. That's why you have to spend a lot of time doing the analysis because sometimes the analysis just tell you that you need more data. So you have to be ready to collect more data. And I think that's something which is interesting. really interesting. You just have some idea about simple to understand because sometimes you probably won't have data about the full population. So you might need to take a sample and just that give you, you can do extrapolation just to get an idea of the population. So it's really good to understand our sampling work. And the last one that I say, which is that will make the entire data collection good. You have to make sure that your data is good quality. Never watch to just go to the analysis or To start with your linear regression or whatever you want to do, or I'm going to do random forest. Okay, let's do it. No, just make sure that you have good data. So I find that that one is if you don't have good data, so you don't you cannot expect your model to work to be too good one. So once you be like, oh, I have like a low accuracy. Yeah, but it was about your data. So I find that good quality of data is. I mean, that's, that's key. That's the key. If you don't have good data, nothing else will work. So that, that's one, you have to be focused on it.
1: Right on, man. That's some great tips. I mean, you've got some really, really, really cool projects that you're working on. I'll be sure to include a link to your GitHub in the show notes so that people can check that out. But I, I like this company that you're working at way better. Like this, this goal-sharing network, like that's pretty interesting type of stuff that, that you guys are doing there, like how, how do you guys use data science to 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 help people like meet their goals? Like how does that work?
0: I mean, at this stage, so we are a startup, so at this stage we're not really uh, using data science uh, to help people, but as a data science working there, so in terms of the decision that we are doing, the so number one is just using people data, so basically just an a background of uh, of way better. So we are helping people stay motivated with games. So let's say that every Monday or every week we have a new set of games. So in order to propose games, so we need to know what are the games that people love. So we are using a data collection or data analysis and data science to understand people's behavior, to understand what people want to uh, I, I, what people want or what will motivate people or what are the most successful games. So if, if a game has every week only one player in it, so there's no need to use it. So I think that we, at this stage, we are using data science to for the selection of games that we have. And as well, so because it's a social, there's a bit of social in there, as well, so we are now analyzing the social feed to understand what people are talking about. And I think that that's something that we're going to use every day in the future. But we have a lot of data, and I think we we want to make people better at something, and the only way to do it is by knowing, understanding people behavior, knowing what they are doing when they get to the app, so we know what value proposition to give them.
1: Sounds really fascinating, man! I gotta check that app out, like gamifying. Oh, yeah, Engine. I think it's that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. So we'll do a last question before the random round here. So it is 100 years in the future. What do you want to be remembered for? Man, that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's really random.
1: <laughs> I feel that yeah 100
0: years I feel that I want to be remembered for someone who loves the people around him and wanted the best for them, so yeah that's something that I would like to do. like, yeah, this guy always wanted the best for people and. Because you're talking about data science, I feel that I just want to have some impact in the way that they are teaching data science. And I'm working now with this organization where we're just trying to teach data science in Haiti. Yeah, that's something that I really would like to be big and maybe in you know, 100 years, people will remember me for that.
1: That's awesome, man. I, I, I dig that. So <laughs> let's move into a, a random round here. First question is, if you were to write a fiction novel what would it be about, and what would you title it?
0: Yeah. I love novel about is a secret agent. Yeah, so I think that it would be like some secret agent. Maybe he was in the army first. They left him from dead. (laughs) And they just get back to the real world to, I don't know. Yeah, that would be about agent secret. Not (laughs) Not a James Bond type, but more like yeah a
1: mix of what a mix of James Bond and Rambo maybe that's a good one that's a a book I would read for sure (laughs) so when do you think the first video to hit one trillion views on YouTube will happen and what will it be about I don't think it will happen so soon
0: because yeah I mean there's a lot of because uh, why I say that, I mean, just say during the COVID time. So we've been like a lookout for what, say five, seven months and no video is that, you know, that views, right? And it was like the um, right amount of time for people. That's exactly what people are doing, Netflix and YouTube. So I feel that there has to be something like maybe some, some people with like maybe a lot of followers on IG or TikTok. And they just come with that new thing. And it will really just happen. I don't think that any of those video with like billions will hit 1 trillion first. I don't think. I don't think that Despacito will hit one
1: trillion. <laughs> Yeah, I think Despacito has about 7.04 billion. billion. Yeah. Baby <laughs> shark. It. Oh, Baby yeah, shark so. has 7.05 billion.
0: <laughs> what about that Still. with Wiscalifa and Charlie? Uh, see you yeah, again.
1: I think... See you again, yeah. That's 4.79 billion. Ah, okay. Up here. <laughs> yeah, far, far away from trillion. Yeah, I
0: think uh, that. Yeah, not of them. It'll be a new one.
1: So, what are you currently reading?
0: Oh, now I'm reading that uh, the book is Artificial Intelligence in Practice by bernard Moore. it's really good really good so basically what he's doing is taking all those big company like uh, big company in this show in showing all the using artificial intelligence data science to increase their production or to increase their revenue. yeah i like those book because it just really helped me understand why what i can do data science it's really practical it's not about Oh, the theory thing is really practical, so I really like it. It's a good one.
1: I'll check that one out. What song do you have on repeat? No. Actually, this.
0: Yeah, this week I didn't listen to any songs. I'm just trying to catch up with a couple of podcasts. So I think this week was yeah, it was a a podcast. Yeah, Wait, <laughs> no what, song on repeat.
1: <laughs> how about this? What song is like always playing in your head? Well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because you just say baby suck I think that it's... <laughs> no I think that the last album that I listened is the new Eminem album okay yeah no, and i that, said yeah yeah I haven't, I haven't... The music to be murdered by <laughs> so that
1: yeah. I have checked that one out dude I haven't listened to it yet well, I've been on some weird music lately I've been on some deep instrumental house stuff yeah so we're gonna do The random question generator. Oh, wow. (laughs) What issue will you always speak your mind about? What issue will you always speak? What is your theme song? My theme song?
0: Yeah, I think that would be Eminem, I'm Not Afraid.
1: Ah, that's
0: that's
1: a a good
0: one. That one is easy.
1: (laughs) That's a good one. What are you interested in that most people haven't heard of?
0: I think that probably free diving.
1: Free diving? Huh? What,
0: what yeah. Is so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you go diving without any... And probably you heard about scuba diving. So the scuba diving, you go underwater, the water but you have all those equipment. But free diving, you, you go without anything. So one breath and you just go down.
1: Damn. Hey, do you do that quite often?
0: Yeah, I mean, last year I didn't because of COVID, but yeah, the last time that I did was when I went to time. And yeah. Yeah. So basically, you just stay at the surface. You you do a couple of breathing exercises. And after that, you take that big breath and you just go down. I mean, wow. some people, they went with it for, but me, I haven't But yeah, that's really fun.
1: Wow, man. <laughs> How long were you able to, to hold your breath for?
0: I think the last time I went, I was for probably two minutes yeah between two and three yeah but when I started when I started what three years ago or four years ago, yeah I think it was only one minute my max was one but the thing is what you see if you're still free diving and you're still doing exercise so you're just getting better at it. but everything is just about knowing yourself and staying calm and stuff and try know how to manage a CO2 in your body.
1: Wow, that's fascinating, man. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) What would you do on a free afternoon in the middle of the week? A reading. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, same here. What's the best thing you got from one of your parents? the best thing you got from your
0: parents? I will say that. Yeah, I feel that I like joking. And I always say that I got it from my dad. <laughs> I always make jokes Yeah, I'm a really annoying
1: person. <laughs> do the last one here. What incredibly strong opinion do you have that is completely unimportant in the grand scheme of things? Something that I, yeah,
0: yeah. So one, yeah, that's really funny. I find that you don't have to have an opinion about everything. I do believe that, and mm. if yeah, so that's something that if people are talking about that's a new subject and if i don't know anything about it yeah i don't really care (laughs) (laughs) because i don't know so after that yeah that's who i am so you don't have to have something to say about anything that's a really strong opinion that i have and (laughs) i mean whatever happened that's not gonna change
1: (laughs) that's an interesting strong opinion you got a strong opinion opinion (laughs) on anything (laughs) (laughs) actually let's do let's do one more here pancakes or waffles None of them. I don't eat them. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, what? I don't like. Them. I mean, right. Yeah, I'm not American,
1: so. Uh, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> All right. So, man, that was uh, that was awesome. So, <laughs> how can people connect with you, and where can they find you online?
0: Oh, so I'm on Twitter and IT. So everything, just my first name and my last name. Same for my medium. In my medium, so. Now, I, I took a post A uh, post about an article because I'm preparing a couple of new articles about data science. I'm, by, I'm going to release them soon. So my main are is same, Fabrice Mezido, my LinkedIn is the same. Or if you could just go to my LinkedIn, you just have the link for all my so online presence.
1: Definitely, man. I will be sure to link to the all your various places in the show notes as well so that people can huh? connect with you directly. Fabrice, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come on the show today, man. I really, really appreciate having you here.
0: Oh, I also thank you. And I mean, that's a good job that you're doing. I really appreciate it.
1: Keep keep,
0: keep doing it, man. (laughs)
1: That's my pleasure, man.